Welcome to the 11th episode of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. And this week, I'm talking with Jordan Thomas, one of the creative forces behind Frank at Home on the Farm, which is coming out from Scout. How are you doing, Jordan? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Wayne. How are you? Doing very well. Um, before we get into the book itself, uh, why don't you tell people what other uh, comic-related things you've done? Sure. Uh, so, Frank, I initially did on Kickstarter. But uh, since then, I did a comic called Quarantine, which I put together during the first lockdown that we had over in Europe. And that was quite interesting because I worked with, in the end, 34 different artists. And it was one story, but every single page was a different artist. So it had a lot of um, people from kind of my, my world of independent comics, but also Derek Robertson. He did the cover. He's from The Boys, which I don't know if people have seen on Amazon and stuff like that. But he created The Boys with Garth Ennis and Sean Phillips did a page. So it was a nice combination of some independent artists and some quite big names. And so that was another one I did on Kickstarter. And I also just recently uh, released a comic called Mugshots, which is a crime anthology series. Mm. Hmm, anthology that's interesting because uh you know the big two always seem to avoid well i can't say that dc does some anthologies but marvel and like image have tended to avoid anthologies except that image has just now announced a horror anthology so that's good i mean uh, the great part about being in an anthology is you you are contributing to it right you, are you running this or are you contributing to it uh no i'm running this it's well this is a anthology i guess not in the I am the strictest terms, maybe. I've got a sci-fi anthology where I've written kind of several shorter stories coming out later this year. But this is an anthology series like Criminal, if you know Brubaker and Phillips, Criminal. like So it's a complete story in the issue, but then like the next issue will be a new story within the world. Oh, cool. Very cool. Very cool. So, uh, is that going through Kickstarter as well? Did you say? Uh, yeah, that's already been through Kickstarter. That one, um, and I've literally, as I speak to you now, I'm surrounded by boxes and envelopes and labels for different custom forms as I um, do all the fulfillment to get it sent out to backers. And then next month, I've got uh, a series called Weird Work, which is a kind of LA Confidential set in the world of Futurama sci-fi murder mystery with a really cool British artist called Shaky Kane, who's famous from 2000 AD and Tank Girl and lots of underground British comics. Cool. Very cool. Something a little different then. Yeah, I try to do something a bit different with each one. Mm-hmm. Well, they're great fun. They're fun to read. And well, why don't we go ahead and I'll start talking about Frank at Home on the Farm. I do have to say that the title of that... <laughs> It's not quite – it sets my expectations a certain way, and when I get into the book, it's kind of different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, intentionally, because it's a little bit of an awkward title, and especially for um, hashtags. It takes up most of your tweet if you're trying to do hashtag Frank at home on the farm. But it's kind of I always kind of wanted it to be a, almost like a bit unusual in the title to suggest – how unusual the comic is going to be. Mm-hmm. So where did the concept come from? 
Uh, it's really random, actually, and I don't know if you know the the set of films by Richard Linklater, the be- like before Sunrise, before Sunset, those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're uh, a strange one for a horror comic, but they're kind of romantic film, romantic dramas. But in the first one, there's a bit where the guy and the girl they bump into a guy on a bridge. I think he's like a Belgian actor. And he invites them to come and see his play. And in the play, he pe- plays like a cow who sits at the table and reads the newspaper and drinks coffee. And for some reason, this was back whilst I was at university about a decade ago, it gave me the this kind of whole idea for this guy coming back from war to his family farm and only being left with the animals as his family are missing. So yeah, about 3 a.m. on two pieces of A4, I sketched out what pretty much is still the main structure of the story. It's just amazing. It, it, it's, you know, you've given a little bit of what the story's about, which is kind of fun. This guy comes back and he can't find his family there. And of course, he gets flashbacks basically saying that they'll be sure to be there for him. And so he's surprised when they're not there. What's his name again, the character? Frank Cross. Minecraft. Okay, that's really good. So he and I don't want to give away too much of the first book. Uh, there, are, there are four in this miniseries, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So there's a, a good story yet to come. A lot of stuff. the The interesting thing is he goes around and he doesn't encounter too many people who actually remember his family, which is interesting in a small town because you know usually small towns everybody knows each other. So that was kind of odd and stuff like he's. Of course, he's um, military and stuff like that, so he's kind of surprised by all this, it just seems like to me. So, I mean, did you base Frank on someone you knew, or was he a product of your imagination? How did he come to be? Uh, yeah, he's definitely a product of my imagination. Um, I guess the, the village has, although this is so, the story's set just after World War I. Um, and so there's some kind of David Lynch vibes in the town, I guess, when he goes in there, where it's meant to be like a really nice, sweet English country village. But something's always a little bit off. But also the reason I chose to set it just after World War One is that World War One really decimated a lot of the communities in England. So there was a lot of moving around as people kind of tried to make new lives and an awful lot of people who died or younger members of the community who went off to fight and then would return kind of years later to find that a lot had changed. So it's kind of possible that because of the displacement that World War I caused that, that things like this could happen where people wouldn't necessarily know who everybody was in these little areas that they were living in. And if you're away for a few years, you could come back to find that so much has changed Mm-hmm. Well, it's a fascinating story because, you know, I, I, having grown up in a small town myself, I always get a kick when I see small towns in, in stories and in fiction because <laughs> people kind of have expectations and there's something mysterious about a small town. You know, there's there's secrets and there's darkness. And, you know, I, I would think being from a small town, of course, I find that entertaining because the small town I came from was extremely dull, you know. Secrets? Nah. <laughs> All that stuff. So I get a huge kick out of these darker, mysterious small towns like that. Are, are you familiar with small towns? Where did you grow up and where, where do you live in? Uh, so I grew up in a really small village called Rustington that's on the south coast of England, right next to the seaside. 
And yeah, so it's a proper, very similar to what you see in in Frank with the kind of the old brick churches and lots of um, little streams and grassy areas. And also the artist on the book, Clark Bint, grew up in a kind of similar area. So we both definitely know small towns well. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's, I'm always interested it's interesting that you come from a small town because usually people who write stories about small towns don't come from them and they see them as uh, something unusual and and magical and often dark and i am there's a, a book coming out from image right now that talks about a, a guy who goes to a small town and discovers they're they're immortal as long as they stay inside the town and I always get a kick out of those kinds of stories because I, I, I've never run into small towns like that. But I, I do find people fascinated by them because they are <laughs> – there's something that people don't – especially if you come from a larger city where people don't really know each other very well. When you look at a small town, you see the people kind of understand and know each other and what's going on. They're fascinated, and they find that threatening a little sometimes. So I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah, I guess there's a kind of insular nature, or certainly maybe from a, for an outsider's perspective. Like uh, you get films like The Wicker Man, and there's a TV series over in England called The League of Gentlemen, which is like a weird kind of horror comedy. But there's these, it's all set in a small town, and there's this weird shop, which definitely has some similarities to the shop in the first issue of Frank, where... Um, these two brother and sister work in this kind of convenience store out in the outskirts. And if anyone from outside of the town comes in, the first question is always, are you local? And if you're not local, then <laughs> they turn on them. Mm, 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 mm. So it's really interesting because now the thing that's interesting about this, and I've looked at this and I don't want to spoil stuff, but there's something rather unusual going on, it seems to me. And, I don't know how much you want to talk about that because I, I I I saw some of the stuff about some of the future issues, and let's just say the animals seem to play a, an interesting role moving forward. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Frank comes back from World War One and he finds his whole family are missing, but all the animals are still there on the farm, and there's a feeling that people have been there, like it's. He finds um, a saucepan of water on the cooker that's still hot. So it's all very strange. And in the backgrounds of a lot of the panels, because Clark, the artist, is incredible at these small little detailed panels. And we kind of put the theme throughout the book that the animals are kind of constantly watching him as he moves around. So he doesn't necessarily see them, but there's like a big page where Frank is walking away from the farm and you can see all of the animals have kind of crowded to the edge of their pens to watch him go. And then even once he's into the, the small town, he there's a, a dog that kind of goes wild and attacks a girl and he finds himself in a shop surrounded by um, taxidermy animals, all kind of like some kind of judgmental viewing arena all looking down on him from above. So yeah, there's definitely a theme of, untrustworthy animals in the, the early part of the book. Hmm. Cause you know, animals are, are, are mysterious to us as well. I mean, I look at them and sometimes I know what they're thinking, but many times I, I look at them and go, I don't know what is going on in there. You know, I mean, just some animal be really nice to you. Like you're talking about the animal that attacks the girl. It's sometimes you're around an animal and they're fine with you. And all of a sudden, rah, you know, yeah, and, and the, the way it can move from, 
one, an animal, one animal can be, say, a dog, for example, can be really lovely with a particular person, and then the wrong person, they suddenly, maybe it's someone who's all dressed in black in the street. I know when I used to take my dog for a walk, if we'd pass someone who's like completely dressed in black, they'd just be barking at them like crazy, and how different things can set them off. It's so interesting because, you know, I, they're also mysterious, but you know, animals and, and you're talking about like farms and stuff like that. Farm animals are pretty common in smaller towns too. So all this is part of that mystique and part of the, the interesting thing that's going on with that. And of course, family too, you're talking about families and, and you know, how families are usually there for each other and, and things like that. So you're delving in this whole it's a it's a story that I think bigger city people would probably look at and go, I don't get this. So I find that fascinating. Yeah, I definitely think there's something like you've you've pointed out in these smaller, more insular settings where you are a bit separated from a lot of the things we take for granted, I guess, for safety, for example, like in a bigger city, if someone like something bad happens then you've got a big police force or a big firefighting department or whatever who can kind of come to the rescue whereas in a little village or a little town like we have in the comic you've maybe got like three only kind of partially trained policemen who are kind of there to look after everything and so if anything big happens they're they're not necessarily going to be equipped to handle it in the same way mm-hmm now, let's talk a little bit about Frank, if we can, himself. You know, he's a veteran, and so he's been through a war, and most people don't come through war completely together, shall we say. It influences them some. As, as far as Frank, who is Frank? Yeah, well, Frank, uh, for, in World War One, a lot of, obviously, it still happens now, but people very young were going over to fight in that war, so Frank will have been... 18 and gone off to fight in one of the most kind of horrific wars in terms of how it was fought with things like mustard gas and living in trenches and having to deal with constant discomfort not that any war is particularly pleasant but world war one's particularly famous for being a really grim kind of um i guess degrading experience and people having to kind of live in these awful conditions for months and months and months at a time Mm -hmm. Uh, and after having come through four years of that obviously he's returned back home to his family thinking okay now i can try and make sense of life and he's greeted by an empty house with no clue where anybody is whilst at the same time suffering a lot of horrific nightmares which are also partially animal related about being back on the front line of world war one so i think it's pretty clear from the first issue that he definitely saw a lot of action in the war and went through some pretty horrific circumstances Mm -hmm. so he's got his own struggles even before he gets there and it does this doesn't quite help him i i imagine this that when he gets there and finds there's no family there you know it's just the last thing he expected i imagine yeah, you, I definitely tried to give Frank a sense of everything's very confused and it adds to the the slightly paranoid, suspicious nature. Like already, obviously, his family lived a bit outside of the, the town in their farm. So maybe he would have grown up as somebody who was used to being with his family a lot and wasn't necessarily super sociable with other people. So when he comes back and 
is speaking to people in the town and they don't have information that you'd expect them to have. Like you say, it's a small community and the fact that they don't really remember the farm or remember his family is very unusual. And obviously all this kind of adds to Frank's sense of not trusting the people around him and the the obvious kind of issues that he's already brought back with him from the war are being exacerbated, I guess, by what he sees as people that he can't trust all around him. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned some of the people that he encounters, and I, I, I particularly like the lady in the taxidermist place. Mm. She is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, she is... If you've ever gone to a very remote area and you go to a place that sells like antiques or something like that, there's usually behind the counter an older kind of curmudgeon uh completely uninterested in you kind of person. And that is her. She kind of looks at him and he's kind of going on and on. And he has to mention that it's a taxidermy place. She doesn't, she doesn't volunteer that name or, or word for it. And she is just, she is unhelpful to the, to the max. It seems to me, uh, is she based on somebody that, that you've encountered in real life? Uh, I guess because the way it kind of goes with their interaction is that Frank comes in looking for help and it just kind of ends with her rambling at him about her own life. And I think that's definitely something that you get in these, these smaller villages like where I come from, where maybe not that many people come into these shops every day. And so really she's using it as more of an opportunity to have a chat about her own life rather than kind of helping this person who's clearly in distress and just her general obliviousness to to the other people around her she she's definitely not like un, she's not a nasty person or unfriendly but maybe uh lacking a certain amount of empathy and understanding mm-hmm. well she doesn't she really doesn't work to try to sell anything you know the thing i came away with here she is in the shop where she's supposed to be selling things and instead all she wants to do is talk about herself so the the stuff that she has to sell actually isn't really important to her as far as that goes at least it seems like and of course that rubs him the wrong way because he's trying to find out something and all she wants to do is talk about herself instead of <laughs> helping him and it i just got a huge kick out of her i found her you know, her appearance and the whole store and the animals looking down, really creepy. I mean, just, just <laughs> I don't know if I would have stayed in that store as long as it, to be honest with you. It was just a, a horrific, you know, notion. I, I never liked taxidermy anyway. I don't like seeing animals, you know, stuffed and, and mounted and things like that. So to me, that was just a, I guess that's why it sticks out in my mind so much is just that's yeesh, the whole experience to me. I, I would I would have been out of there in like thirty seconds. I would have looked around, seen the lady gone, nice talking with you. Bye. <laughs> but Frank stays there and, and actually engages her in conversation, which says a little bit about Frank, I guess, that he's actually willing, even though he's in distress, he looks at her and kind of feels like he should spend some time talking with her. Yeah, well, I'm glad you in enjoy well, uh took something from the scene. I don't know if enjoyed is quite the right word. <laughs> You were so distressed. But yeah, it's definitely in the first issue. She's probably my favourite character to write because it's not a particularly dialogue-heavy first issue. But um, but yeah, she's a lot of good fun once she gets onto her kind of deceased husband and 
some gripes that she clearly still harbors towards his behavior. But yeah, I guess if you imagine this woman who's probably spent her entire life in this town, married to a man who wanders off into the woods and then comes back and stuffs various animals that he's found, including like their cat when it's passed, is up on the wall as well. I guess you can kind of have a bit of a window into probably what her kind of 70 years of existence have have been like. But yeah, there's definitely like a disconnect between her and Frank in that you never really feel like they're quite on the same plane of existence. Like they're kind of experiencing each other through kind of like a a clouded kind of piece of glass or something. Mm -hmm. It's just such a creepy book and you know that is to me that's someone who stood about the other encounters he has are also on a level of creepy that was one that got to me the most but i i can imagine other people who looked at it and went, what is it? when we get to the end and i don't want to spoil stuff but let's just say uh, you start to lay the groundwork for what's going to happen in the future issues and i really like the way that you did that it's mysterious it's haunting and I start to, you know, I, I was literally sitting there going, wondering what in the world is really going on here. So as we get to the future issues and stuff, I'm going to really be fascinated to see what is going on here. What is the story about this and this family and and all these different things that are happening in the town? So you have done a wonderful job of world building, I have to say, and making this this unusual and engaging area i mean i need to know what's going on that's the thing about me i i gotta be back for the next issues to see what's happening no thank you very much uh no i mean that's perfect really that's the response that me and clark were going for in that it's quite a tightrope to walk as far as kind of writing the first issue in that i want enough in there to really get people interested and to create a lot of these mysteries but also we don't really give too much away in the first issue either it's not really like you say there is a there's um a big moment where clark really shines at the end on the the final page but it also it's kind of layering more mystery on top as opposed to answering anything it's not like an issue where it's kind of mysterious the whole way through until the final page and suddenly it's like oh okay that's what's going on we're still very much in the in the kind of layering strangeness on top of mystery, on top of unusual goings on at the moment. So the fact that it's kind of engaged you that much and you're left really wanting to know what's happening, then then that means hopefully we did our job well. It's really a great book. I mean, I highly encourage people. If you like, like I do, I like variety in my reading. I want things that I haven't read before. And that's a challenge because I've read comics for decades, literally. So I am, I'm always looking for something new and different. And this is a very different book in that respect. I, I, I just need to know what is going on here. And it's just a wonderful story in that way that just draws me in. I did want to talk a little bit. You've mentioned Clark, the artist and stuff. How did you and Clark, did you develop the story together or did you have the story and then you approached him? How did that happen? Um, as I mentioned a bit earlier, I actually wrote the original kind of idea for the story about a decade ago. Uh, and so it's kind of been around with me for a while and I was looking to get uh, some comics projects off the ground and I had another story that I was looking at, which I just couldn't get the right artist for at the time. And I thought, oh, what about uh, Frank at Home on the Farm, which was a story I'd always kind of loved. Like, I think that that could be a really a good 
project to kind of put forward. And I knew Clark through a friend. Clark had worked on a, another graphic novel uh, the previous year that my friend had written. And suddenly, as soon as I thought of maybe looking at Frank as being the next project I did, I thought of Clark's artwork and how that would be perfect for for this type of story because he loves like getting into the research and getting kind of old books out of what different places would have looked like in 80, 90 years ago and countryside. And uh, he's someone that could really, because it's a book that needs a lot of detail to create the atmosphere. So a wonderful artist, like, for example, maybe like Chris Samony, who's an amazing artist, probably a little bit too busy to work with me anyway, but he, his type of style of very simple, um, minimal lines is beautiful for certain stories but wouldn't that type of style wouldn't work for something like this so Clark with his kind of every person that Clark draws always looks a little bit unsettling like uh, you wouldn't have Clark kind of necessarily drawing like the birds of prey or something I don't know if he'd uh, if he'd be able to deliver on that type of comic but for something where you want everything to feel unnerving Clark's absolutely fantastic well, I, I wrote all the story and got all the script together ahead of time. So we had a full script for the whole story before Clark started drawing anything. But also certain areas I gave Clark a lot of freedom because he's so talented and a really great storyteller in his own right. So, for example, the nightmare scenes that happen in the first issue, that's pretty much I gave him a few bullet points of things that I needed to see on those pages, but I didn't give him any kind of page layout or anything i just said see what you want and also little moments like uh back in the shop with our with our friend the the old lady there's a bit where she's like um she's got a cold and she's blowing her nose and Mm -hmm. the way she holds the handkerchief makes her look like a pig i don't know if you caught that but that's completely clark's invention so he brings a lot of beautiful nuance like that oh goodness because it's the, the artwork is very dark and you get the mood Really, you know, instantly, the moment you start reading it, you get the, the feel of oh, this really dark and, and gosh, I, I, mysterious is the only thing I keep coming back to. I, and that's the thing I need to know more about. And I just think that this first issue really is a, is a great and gripping way to introduce the whole story. Now, we've talked about the first issue, and that's already out. You know when the second issue is coming? Uh, yeah, the second issue should be in stores on the 24th of February. Okay, so there's, a, there's still time to contact your local shop and make sure that they know that you want Frank at home on the farm. And you get number one. If you can't get number one through your local shop, you can go to scoutcomics.com and look in the store there. And you can buy it there if you'd like to. And I think that that would be a great thing because the good news is it's early enough that you can get on board and understand the story before that second issue comes so that you can get the full impact. I, this is one I would probably, I, I mean, I encourage you to buy the second issue anyway, but I think you'll get more if you actually read the first one and then read the second book. So I, I think this is one of those great tied together stories that uh, just works so well. Yeah, that's very kind of you to say. Yeah, no, um, definitely if they can, if uh, listeners can get hold of the first issue and it sounds like a story that's interesting to them, they like, slightly more unusual horror, maybe stuff like um, The Shining or The Witch, which came out recently, or they like um, David Lynch and that kind of, you're not sure what's real and what isn't kind of mystery stories, then uh, 
it should definitely be something they'd be interested in. But yeah, definitely get number one and then grab number two when it comes out. And from that point on, I think uh, it will be monthly for issues three and four. I know that on the website AIPT, which is a really cool comics website for people to check out, they made it one of their best free horror series of 2020, along with the Department of Truth, if people are seeing that book. So, yeah, it seems like people are liking it. Wow, because they've only seen the first issue. Yeah, no, yeah, the, the, the guy there who works for them really seems to love it. I think it got a top five issue, one of the top five issues of the week, one of the top five covers of the week, and then he wrote like a 20, or well, it's, it's like a 3,000 word essay about uh, horror in general, but talking a lot about Frank and how that type of horror in the mundane world was something that really appealed to him. So I definitely have one one big fan there, I think, in that guy. Well, good. good. Well, that, that's got a fan here too because I I really love the book, and I'm just fascinated as what you're going to do with it. I just I don't know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, no, I hope to. You have to let me know after you read the second issue and see um, how you think it's going. Okay, I will definitely do that because wow, <laughs> it's something special to to read. And you know, I'm not that big of a horror guy. I mean, I I enjoy it. Now, I, I should point out this is suspense in that way. We don't understand everything that's happening and i love suspense with that so i think that you've done a great job of setting it up i consider horror to be when you measure the blood and quartz and stuff yeah, like that. yeah no it's definitely more of a kind of keep you feeling uneasy atmospheric psychological kind of style there's one little bit of kind of gruesomeness in the first issue but if you're someone that doesn't like lots of kind of violence and blood it's definitely not that type of series it's more of a, yeah, like The Shining, I always think of is quite a good um, touch point um, for the series. I think um, I've heard some people describe it as kind of like The Shining on a farm. Great. Well, let me tell you, I'm looking forward to the second issue, which is coming very soon. And it's you said it's going to be monthly after that, so we can look forward to those. So make sure to get it on the schedule. And are there other projects you're working on? Uh, I, as far as I, my understanding is you pretty much got this in the bank, and so you're you're free to do other stuff. Yeah, Frank's all done. So, um, yeah, there'll be no worries about delays or anything. That's all ready to get sent out when the issues are released. And, yeah, I've got the new Kickstarter coming next month as well. The one I mentioned earlier, Weird Work. Um, if people check me out on Twitter or search, um, search for me on Kickstarter, you can see about that project, which should be really cool. And, um, yeah, apart from that, I've got a few pitches out there and a few other things I'm I'm working on that will be coming out. So I'm pretty much every couple of months, I always have something new on the way. Cool. Now you mentioned social media. Uh, how are you, how do we find you on social media? Uh, so on Twitter, I'm Jordan underscore J underscore Thomas. And on Instagram, I'm ampersand 1988, which is a uh, why the last man reference. That's one of my favorite comic series. Um, and yeah, I think as well, if you search um, Jordan Thomas on Kickstarter, you should be able to find me on there where you can uh, follow me to get alerted about any new projects I have coming out through that service. And yeah, hopefully in the future, I'll have some more stuff with Scout as well. (laughs) 